Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to discover all of our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and on Facebook at facebook.com slash irishtechnews. Thanks and enjoy the listening. Hello and welcome to the next edition of the ITN podcast with me, Gillian Godsell. Now, today my guest is Dr. Farooq Habib, who is a scholar, an Islamic scholar in the area of finance and also Sharia compliance. So I'm very, very grateful to welcome you to the podcast, Farooq, to explain to us what this all means. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Gillian. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me to this podcast. Um, so I'm uh, delighted. Just... I'm going to say, can I start off with say, I'm delighted to have you here because there's so many questions that I kind of know, but I don't know. You know, you think, oh, yeah, I know mm-hmm. that. No, I don't. But first of all, can you give us a bit of an example or a bit of a run over of your background? You're a doctor, so you mm-hmm. hold a PhD. Just tell me in a few words who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So uh, actually, I did master's in uh, economics. Uh, my bachelor was also in economics from Karachi, Pakistan. And uh, after that, I did my another master from uh, Queen Mary University of London uh, in banking and finance. And then I moved to Malaysia and I did my PhD in Islamic finance. Wow. Uh, when I was in Pakistan, Karachi, doing bachelor's and master in economics, uh, I was also studying in a, in a religious school, uh, seeking traditional Islamic uh, studies. So that is basically Islamic uh, uh, studies. Uh, it, it, it was surrounding and more focused on, on Islamic law, which is also called Sharia. So that was basically my focus. And under Sharia Islamic law, I, I also more focused on uh, Islamic law of contract. Okay, so, so was- you're answering my question is, so Islamic and Sharia, they're kind of one and the same, is that? Yes. Yeah. So when we say Sharia, it means Islamic law. Okay, that's good because I wasn't quite sure. So mm-hmm. now I'm particularly interested in the finance end of things, and you said you studied contract too as well. So um, in in terms of your Islamic studies in contract, was that contract as it, we would understand it in terms of business yeah. commercial law? Yeah. So when we say um, uh, uh, I will go back a little bit, uh, step back, uh, taking a step back for uh, a little bit uh, and seeing that okay. Islam is actually a complete code of life in the sense that it has different uh, uh, set of rules and principles for each and every walk of life. For example, uh, it's not only about worship, but uh, you have to have your public dealings also uh, according to Islamic principles. Uh, so in that sense, Islam basically provides guidance not only uh, in uh, man-to-God relationship, but also man-to-man relationship. Okay. So, so and, and that includes women and children. And Yes, of yeah, course. So, I mean, family, uh, you yeah. have family law also, and uh, you, uh, you have uh, financial transactions also, which are mentioned in Quran and also in the tradition of, uh, of the Prophet Muhammad. And uh, also, uh, uh, the, it's now it has become a complete jurisprudence in that sense, that it provides all the principles. And even uh, now, if you look in the modern times, 
we have is a complete alternative of conventional financial system, which is called Islamic financial system. So that has been built on, on the Sharia principles and rulings. And this is fascinating to me. This is the thing that really yep. interests me. So I, I grew up in a Western world, so I understand Western finance and Many people are not very happy with Western finance after the global crashes, whatever. But can you explain the, the fundamental differences between Western finance and mm -hmm. Islamic finance? Yeah. So uh, I would rather call the Western finance as con uh, as conventional finance okay. because uh, because it, it is it has been accepted in East as well. So okay, okay, thank so you. It doesn't yeah. have any region. So even like in Pakistan, we have. Uh, Islamic finance, but as well as uh, uh, conventional finance. So I think that it has been the case for uh, in, in every country, by the way. So uh, now, what is the difference between the two? Um, I would say uh, now in Quran, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is basically the God, the almighty God uh, has uh, mentioned that uh, Allah has prohibited riba and uh, permitted uh, sale. Now, we have two words over here, riba and sale. So one is prohibited and uh, one is uh, permissible. So what is sale and trade and what is riba? Riba, the, I intentionally use this word instead of uh, interest or usury because riba has much more much more wider meaning. How? For example, if I if you want to translate it, it's interest or usury, but uh, actually the meaning is uh, wider than that. Because uh, interest is, it can only happen in a lending and borrowing situation. So you, when you have two parties, one is lender, the other one is borrower, and uh, the lender charges uh, uh, some amount on top of the principal because he's lending. So that is basically interest. And when it becomes manifolds, it is called usury. So this is, that is how we understand it. Now riba can basic, riba actually encompasses this situation where you uh, in a lending and borrowing situation, but it can also occur in a, in a sale transaction. So, so what is, uh, that's why I really want to call it riba rather than interest or usury. Now, how it can happen in a, in a sale transaction, for example, you come to me and says, uh, Farooq, I want to uh, buy Pakistani rupees for US dollars. So here is uh, $100 and I want to buy uh, Pakistani rupees uh, or like a, uh, let's suppose uh, uh, the rate is let's suppose 150 rupees per dollar right now. Mm -hmm. So you are expecting for 100 is uh, 1,500 uh, Pakistani rupees or maybe 15,000 exactly. Yeah. So 15,000 Pakistani rupees for $100, right? But uh, you say that, okay, it's okay. You do not have to pay me now. You can pay me. Uh, at a later stage. Now it's a currency transaction mm -hmm. and because of the late payment, because it's on credit now, uh, we consider that there might be some increment. 
when two currencies are exchanged. So that is again not prohibited. Uh, uh, that is again prohibited, and it is called riba, because there is an increment not in the financial terms, not in the unit terms, but uh, conceptually there is an increment because of uh, because of the uh, credit sale. So that is again riba. I give you another very classic example which we use uh, in a hadith. Uh, hadith is, uh, by the way, the the saying of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, the Arabic terminology for sayings of the Prophet and his uh, words are hadith. So is hadith. So uh, actually, so in a hadith, Prophet Muhammad mentioned that uh, uh, gold has to be exchanged for gold, uh, equal to equal, and mm -hmm. on a spot. And then silver is the same. Silver has to be exchanged for silver uh, on a spot basis and for equal to equal. And uh, then he also mentioned six actually commodities like gold, silver, salt, and uh, barley, and dates, um, so and uh, wheat also. So all these uh, sayings of Prophet different. Uh, they are actually form uh, form the basis of what is riba that uh, when you, let's suppose that you have gold um, and I have also gold, but uh, you have 24 carat of gold and I have uh, 18 carat of gold. So because of the quality of gold, uh, you should be expecting that, okay, I need to give lesser gold uh, and I have to exchange it with Farrokh um, with more amount of gold, right? But now Islam says that, no, you cannot, Sharia says it, it cannot happen because there is riba in the quantity. Now you cannot expect me to give you like 1.5 kg of gold against one kg of your gold. Even if the gold has different standards. Yeah, yes. Ah, that's complicated. Yeah, so you cannot do that uh, because again, the quantity has to be same. So this is based on quantity and not quality. So. If I have yeah. higher quality, if I've got 24 karat gold, why would I swap like for like with you? Yeah, Under so what that circumstances? is Now, this is a very uh, deep, uh, uh, I would say, an there is an implication for that. Why would you do that? You mm. wouldn't do it because there is no benefit for you, right? So then ultimately what happened, like if you consider yourself in, in the era of Prophet Muhammad, uh, in back in uh, 14th centuries back. So then you are forced to actually use money for any commodity. So like barter is actually incorporating money itself. So why? You can basically do that. You have to sell your 24 carat of gold, which is one kg first for money. And then we use that money to buy my gold. Now, and in would that I get, sense, would I get more money for my 24 karat gold than yeah, you? Okay, you would, so it evens yeah, up. It, okay, it yeah. addresses the quality yeah. issue. So yes. Now, how that's how it is basically designed. So, in that sense, what I'm trying to say here is that riba has, uh, uh, has a wider meaning because it can occur uh, in spot sale transactions as well specifically in currency transactions. So, so how does it work? I, I, I'm understanding some of the basic principles now. Uh, so how does it work in a modern context? So if, um, you know, like, mm -hmm. so you have so Western now, banks, but then you have Islamic banks, do they do loans mm -hmm. and credit and stuff? Yeah. So yeah, so in Islamic banks do not extend uh, loans. 
and uh, so I go back to my uh, first uh, statement that when I say that uh, uh, in the Quranic verse, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned that uh, trade is allowed mm-hmm. while riba is not allowed. So now trade, this is the key word here to understand. And the whole Islamic finance has been built around trade. So it's okay. I want to no. buy something and so, you want to. So that makes sense. That's yeah. a, as an exchange of goods. Mm. So it, it, it's yeah. very close so now, to you. Yes. So now, if you would like to have, uh, let's suppose, uh, a house. Yes. You go to an Islamic bank. So now how Islamic bank is different from, from a conventional site, it will be clearer with this example that if you want to buy a house, you go to a conventional bank, you just directly get a mortgage. Right. And uh, when you get a mortgage, it's a l- again lending and borrowing um, mechanism. Uh, the contract is this and uh, you pay some extra amount which is interest yes on top of the principal amount mm-hmm. now, in islamic bank you go to a bank first now it will seem uh, a little complicated but you will be able to appreciate that how trade has been incorporated while achieving the same economic objective mm-hmm. that uh, now you go to an islamic bank says that i want to buy a house i need financing for that and then uh, islamic bank will ask you which house is that let's suppose that uh, you point out that uh, that house is a half a million pound house that is basically the value of that nice uh, house Okay, let's make it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's cool. No, it's cool. It's, it's a figure. Okay. It's notional. Yeah. Half a, uh, half a million pound uh, house. And uh, Islamic Bank says, okay, then we will basically what Islamic banks will do, like, uh, we'll ask you that how much you are uh, putting in money as an advancement, advance payment. So, like you said, that uh, 20% of that, which is uh, 100K uh, pound. So you will put this and then uh, Islamic bank will provide you the financing of 400K. Uh, So in that sense, now you together will become partner in the house and 80% of the shares of the house will be owned by the Islamic bank Mm -hmm. and 20% of the shares will be owned by you. Yes. As a customer. So that is basically the arrangement. So there will be a partnership contract first. Now you want to own that house ultimately. Yes. So because of that, you will start buying shares of the house from the bank. So this is basically, again, uh, according to the installments, like monthly, quarterly, whatever it is. So you will start buying the shares of the house from the bank. And since you are also living in that house, so you will have to pay rent. Ah, okay, okay. Of that house. Yes. So now there are different contracts, but ultimately you will end up paying the same amount which you pay to the conventional bank. But now you have incorporated trade and removed the borrowing and uh, lending mechanism here. So there is no borrowing and lending. So initially it was a partnership and, uh, and renting of a house and then you you start basically buying the shares of the house. Do you have uh, do you lose rights like a, a, a tenant, for example, would have less mm-hmm. rights than an owner, house owner, regardless of the fact that the mortgage is owned by the bank, whatever. So even mm-hmm. in that situation, you they, the bank won't evict you, will they? Or they 
can they evict you or no actually this is the good thing about uh, about islamic finance that in that uh, in that mechanism in that arrangement you are also the owner of the house because 20% shares are owned by you mm-hmm. so and then you keep uh, you keep increasing your share uh, throughout the time so for example let's suppose that after 10 years you own 60% of the house shares and banks has left with the only 40% of the shares so so then bank cannot basically do that that you ha- it has to evict you because you are the major shareholder in the house right now so so in that case like you uh, tenants and the customer own more rights as compared to uh, a conventional dealing and then it makes sense for the islamic bank because they're getting the the rent which is a trade Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so rent, is, there is rent, there is partnership contract, and there yeah. is also a, a buying and selling of shares. In of order house. to try and compare that to conventional finance, would the rent be equivalent of um, yeah. interest so or is, would it be equivalent of rent, rent no. fees? So yeah, so it's basically uh, will be equal to whatever conventional banks are charging as interest. So that it will be converted into rent. And gotcha. that will be the rent for, for, for that. So it, in that sense, the economic result will be the same, whether yes. you go to a conventional bank or an Islamic bank, but Islamic bank is uh, actually doing it in a different way. And uh, you will end up enjoying more rights there. And would that same principle be applied if I wanted to buy a car or buy yeah. my business? Yeah. Yes, okay. same. Do but you- uh, one thing, so, so for you, like if let's suppose that you go and you really want cash, Yeah, I'm saying more frivolous monies. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you you really want hard cash from the banks. So it can also do it can also be done, but uh, you the Islamic bank will have to incorporate uh, a, a buying and selling transaction rather than uh, uh, an interest uh, lending and borrowing transaction. How it does it? For example, bank will become an agent for you, and you say that okay, I want 100k uh, British pound uh, for one one year. right and let, let's suppose the interest rate is also um uh 1% on it uh right so so islamic bank will do the same thing but a, in a different way how that uh, first islamic bank will become an agent for you it will buy a commodity from the london stock ex, uh, london metal exchange lme on behalf of you and the islamic bank will sell it to you on a spot basis mm-hmm. so now you own the commodity and you have to pay uh, 100k to the to the bank but okay sorry not it's this first transaction is not on a spot basis it's a credit sale so after one year bank will say that okay i ha- i i'm paying this uh, commodity to you for one year credit price and the credit price is uh, 100k plus 1% uh, markup So that is basically the profit. Okay, so it makes sense of why. Is, is it, does it work out similar to if you wanted to go to a conventional bank? Would it cost around the same money? Mm, yes, uh, the the cost will be the same, but the transaction and the underlying contract, legal contracts, will be different. Okay. So now, so just to have just to complete this, uh, sure. that okay. Now, once you have this commodity, again, bank can be your agent on behalf of you. It can sell it in the market again. on a spot basis and get 100k british pound for you and then give it to you okay so now if you look at it now bank 
is able to create a, a receivable on you on you with the first transaction buying again that transaction was buying and selling uh, and then you have to pay 100 uh, 101k uh, British pound after one year and now you have got to, with the second transaction you have got cash with you which is 100k and you can top. spend it yes and mm -hmm. yeah. okay so that takes around the issue of, of borrowings um if i now not that we make money anymore in deposits but is there mm -hmm. a way for if someone decides to deposit their money into an islamic bank do they get interest or or how does they that get work profit because profit. yeah bank, oh, because so the bank that, loans it out no oh. bank doesn't loan it no, out there's no think. loan uh, yeah so what does it do like so you have uh, saving accounts which are based on partnership yeah and on behalf uh, in that partnership banks basically invest money uh, in different ventures uh, and that's how they get uh, receive profit and distribute it among the saving accounts holders okay. okay so that's how they do it is there a difference between conventional banks the big criticism would be that they make a lot of money um, mm -hmm. on the back of people who give them their money, you know, mm -hmm. would, would Islamic banks have the similar re result no, or they share the profit? Uh, because uh, the regulatory framework is same uh, for conventional bank uh, as well as for Islamic banks. Mm -hmm. So Islamic banks cannot do much in that sense that uh, whatever interest rate has been fixed, now they are already in the same market. So imagine that uh, there are two people uh, having two different products, but uh, because of the uh, market regulation, you cannot uh, reduce the price of the product or increase the price of the product uh, on your own will. So you have to, uh, you have to follow the standard uh, of the market. So because of that, the, the pricing, mm. the cost, the profit will remain same, but the only thing is like the product itself will be different from uh, from other uh, other products in the market. Okay, this is fascinating. So then let's make a jump. Um, mm -hmm. Blockchain, decentralized finance. Is there mm -hmm. room for an Islamic finance in DeFi, decentralized mm -hmm. finance? Yeah. I, think, I think this is very uh, pertinent in the sense that uh, the way I see that uh, when you have a different product, you are supposed to have different pricing mechanism. You need. You are supposed to have a different uh, profit rates and uh, other things. And Islamic finance, being uh, Sharia based, it has to be more ethical and more social in that sense. Um, because Sharia is actually about uh, with uh, is more about sharing with people and uh, even and actually I must say that there is a Quranic verse saying that. Uh, 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 that uh, the circulation of wealth should not be constrained in one sector of a society. It has to circulate in the whole society. So, uh, but right now, uh, unfortunately, what I see is like uh, in Islamic finance, although um, legal transactions uh, have been changed, the way lending and borrowing has been removed, riba has been removed, but uh, we have to see some more benefits from the ethical and social side also. So right now, the traditional Islamic finance industry uh, is facing a lot of trouble in different, uh, in terms of uh, different fronts. But uh, uh, I think the use of technology can increase 
the financial inclusion number one and increase the efficiency and uh, also like uh, the the process the complex processes of islamic finance mm. so in that sense the, it can definitely bring the cost down and it will increase the outreach for example uh, a smart contract i was going to say smart contracts that's ex- yeah. just what jumped to mind yes so i go back to my example of house financing yes so like you must you must have seen that okay it's a very complicated structure as a product so you have to have a partnership contract and it has to be executed on time and then you have to start uh, selling the shares of the house so everything has to follow a sequence also and there are some different types of products uh, i mean uh, pro- uh, different types of contracts in that so a smart contract can come in and then automate and digitalize all these Uh, all these different transactions or contracts easily so here and then it will definitely increase the 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 transparency and uh, also uh, and also the uh, the public disclosure is also there or it will also be more increased and i want say because uh, there is a sequence needed from the sharia perspective so sharia compliance will also become more robust interesting the uh, smart contract so wow. i am a very uh, like a sincere believer that uh, with the use of technology we can bring actually the real fruit and benefit and show the real benefit of uh, islamic finance to the world that is very interesting and i like one of the points you said that one of the basis of uh, islamic finance is that it's to help the whole community there is a, mm-hmm. an underlying um emphasis on not just looking after the wealthy that it's mm-hmm. supposed to spread out a technology will hopefully um make that more more um flexible and more yes. uh, accessible okay. wow thank you so much for your time dr fruk that is mm-hmm. a really interesting uh, 101 on islamic mm-hmm. finance and i didn't know the half of it i'm going to wait going to wait and think about it because it's it's quite complex but also yeah i you make it sound quite um accessible and understandable mm-hmm. thank you very much for your time today That's welcome. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more via our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all our podcasts, or you can follow us on your preferred podcasting platform of choice, or follow us on Twitter, Irish underscore Tech News, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or the or the website IrishTechNews.ie. Uh, we will bring you more soon, and thanks for listening.